Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey guys, welcome to another Authority Hacker Podcast. This is episode 9. And in this episode, I am interviewing Brian Harris from videofruit.com. Brian is a specialist in building email lists and selling products to them. And he's going to share a ton of actionable advice in this episode. We're going to talk about collecting emails in general. We're going to talk about content upgrades, how to use them to understand your audience, and how to use them to actually make sales to the people you're collecting emails from. So not just getting the emails, but also making money out of the emails. And that's really, really exciting. Brian, thank you so much for sharing all of that. But before we jump into the interview, I just wanted to take a minute to welcome all the new members of the Authority Hacker community because there is a lot of new people that came from the recent podcasts I've been doing on Noha Digital and Niche Pursuits. And I want to welcome you and I want to share all these tips that I have to create authority sites, to create your websites, despite the fact that we're like a really, really small company without breaking the rules, without being afraid of having Google come one day and just destroy your entire business. So that's, that's what we're all about here. And I'm sure you get a lot of tips in today's episode. If you haven't listened to the other episodes, there's also a lot of tips, but I'll let you just browse around and go on SoundCloud or go on iTunes and so on. For now, I'm going to bring the interview I had with Brian. I hope you get a kick out of it and I'll see you at the end of the episode. Hey guys, so we got Brian Harris from Video Fruit on the call today, and I'm really excited to have him because he has been blogging a lot about list building and creating a list, etc. And according to the numbers he's bragging about, he's getting hundreds of emails every time he posts a blog post. And I just wanted to understand how he does that and talk a bit about all the tactics he talks about in the blog and what's been working for him, what has not been working for him. And so, Brian, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Can you just introduce yourself for like uh, two minutes so that people that don't know you just know what you're doing? Sure. Uh, my name is Brian. I'm from Alabama, just a rural town in Alabama. I grew up on the Gulf Coast. Run a site. Been running an experiment, as what I've been calling it, a video fruit for the past little over a year now. Uh, it originally was a service-based business where I had a course I offered, which was a product, and then had a service I offered, which was making videos for other people. Something I kind of just stumbled into, I, I dabbled in a little bit of video stuff back in college, but never took a class on it, still haven't to this day. Uh, didn't really know what I was doing much at all, but found a particular way of making videos that was interesting and made it easy for me. So I, I created a course just teaching that. And then I went out and started offering my services to companies like Kissmetrics and HubSpot and Buffer and AppSumo and people like that and started making videos for them. And then in October of last year, I started blogging. And the blogging was really interesting. It was something I did really to, to learn how to market online because for the previous 12 years, I had been in offline sales and B2B outside sales, selling everything from conveyor systems to lumber. Uh, so I knew how to, selfishly and personally, I knew how to go out and like sell to one individual. So going out and getting service contracts when I had a service to offer really wasn't, was kind of in my wheelhouse. But what I didn't know how to do was build a piece of software or make a course or create a book or whatever and go sell it online in mass, kind of a B2C type of model. I just hadn't done that before and didn't really know what to do to do that. So 
I started writing at Video Fruit. I started reverse engineering what other online marketers were doing. So I would look at somebody like Noah Kagan and see, all right, this guy collected a half a million email addresses hmm. in his first year. Like, I, I don't think most people even comprehend what that means, but that is extraordinary. Like, I don't know of anybody, especially a solo person, but not even a, a large company like a HubSpot or somebody that collected a half a million people in a year. Yeah, that is really yeah. extraordinary. <laughs> so, so I just started, I went out and listened to every interview I could find on Noah Kagan and started looking and seeing what did he do. Like, what, just look, I don't want to read an article that you wrote about how to build your list. I want to see what he did. And see if that's still applicable today, and if so, let's try it. So that's what Video Fruit is. It's an experiment. It's a lot of analyzing what other people are doing, me applying that to my business, and then reporting back on the results of that. So that's kind of a long answer to you, but it is kind of a <laughs> long, winding, non-focused story. So um, that's the, the the honest kind of snapshot of what it is. Well, obviously, it seems to be working because uh, it seems like like you're you're a growing figure in the like like kind of like inbound marketing, making sales online, marketing reverse engineering type stuff. So it seems like observing people is a good strategy for you. Yeah, um, it, it, it's something for me. I'm, I got a buddy right now who's trying to start online, and it's really interesting looking back now, trying to help somebody else. And a lot of times, I think we just approach it from the wrong angle. We shouldn't approach it with what type of content can I produce that would be interesting. To me, business is all about questions, and that's just the wrong question. For me, the question I always ask is, what do I need to know that doesn't exist right now? So like right this second, one thing that I'm learning through experimentation, and now like I'm actually legitimately studying other people, is launch sequences. So if you go to mm. launch a product or software or whatever, what is the best not best, that's a bad bad way to phrase it, but what are the available options? What are the available routes other people have taken to go from, all right, I have an email list of 2,000 people, I have a course that's $97, how do I tell that email list about it? Do I just send one email? Do I send a series of six emails? And like, how does that happen? So I'm going through a sequence right now on the blog where I'm writing a series of posts about that. And it, it's come out of my own curiosity in that, there's not a lot of good information on that. There's not a lot of really good detailed analysis of what either I'm doing or what other people are doing. So I'm just producing what I wish existed out of own necessity because I can't find it other places. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, like when you check your blog, and I think on that aspect, we have a very similar style where we just, you just literally just plug your like, I guess you use ScreenFlow or something for your, cam for your videos. And you just explain to people like how you're actually doing it by click by click kind of thing. And, yeah. and that stuff doesn't really exist that much. No, it, it's really shocking. I mean, if for, we're in a market that's really saturated. And for to be able to stand out, honestly, it's simple. It's not easy. It's a simple process. You just create better content, answer better questions than other people. I like, I like thinking about answering better questions. So if I'm approaching launch sequences, give me 10 different – go and analyze 10 different marketers online in 10 different industries with 10 different approaches – and go report on that. If you do that, you've created, if you want to use the word content, you've created a better piece of content than anybody else just by answering the question of what are 10 different options for launching my course? Like answer that question and go out and do that in a very detailed way and you stick out really quickly. So, And if you're in less saturated markets, it's even easier or even simpler. You still have to, to, to me, the fundamental skill in all of this stuff, if you take a list-based, product-based approach like I'm doing. The key to it all 
is being able to write interesting stuff. Like you have to be mm. able to write. If you can't do that, is re- like if you start building product and you're kind of halfway blogging and doing all, to me that's a whole lot harder than getting really good at writing, spending six months writing and studying other people and seeing what's working and, and digging and reverse engineering other people's writing. And if you can get good at writing, all the product, all the sales, all the list building will come out of that because you can learn the tactics. It's really the hardest thing I've had to learn to do and that I'm still learning is better ways to, to write and, and really to teach because at the end of the day, that's what I'm doing. Like I'm working on right now a, a little video introduction for my next post. It's something kind of different that I've never seen done, but it's used, uh, <laughs> it's used in TV shows a lot and it's mm. a pre-roll video reminding you about what happened in previous episodes. So I see a blog as a TV show. It's a it's an ongoing thing. But the problem with the blog is I put out a post or two a week, and three weeks down the line, most people that are reading have kind of forgotten what we talked about already. But if it's a series of posts that are it's building up to a specific call to action, I'm going to remind them. I'm going to do a little one- to two-minute really engaging, intriguing video to remind them, hey, this is what the last three weeks are about. This is why we're even talking about launch sequences because next Monday I'm going to have a launch myself uh, and I want them to kind of remember what's going on. And, and TV does that brilliantly in reminding me what are the big plot lines we talked about. And that's what we're going to talk about in this coming TV show so you can remember. And then the next one, they did the same thing, a little one to two minute recap at the beginning. So coming up with unique content pieces, that's something that's kind of fun to do. Uh, but it's a constant experimentation process. Yeah, I mean, I, it, you're basically talking about these open loops. Like, you, I guess you're you're just opening a new storyline at the end of your blog post. I kind of noticed that reading your blog lately. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And saying, hey, uh, we're going to talk about that next time. And then I guess now your next step is reminding people that you said you would talk yeah. about that. <laughs> both uh, things. Like you have it on both ends where you remind them what you talked about, have the story that you're telling and the lesson you're teaching at the end. And throughout the post, you open up loops to bring them to the next one. It, I, like I had, I was watching Game of Thrones a month or so ago, <laughs> and I went through a course, and it hit me why in the world, like me and my wife are watching Dexter right now, and it's mm. like a B minus TV show. But for some reason, man, if we turn on one episode, like we don't stop at one ever. Like we always watch three or four episodes, not because we love it, like it's all right, and there's a storyline that's interesting, but they're just awesome at having open loops in the TV show. So, they bring up four storylines. They only answer one of them in the show, and they leave three overhanging to the next one. And the next one, they bring up five more. They answer two from the previous. And you always have this unanswered question. And that's why Netflix is so popular, because you have these ongoing open-loop storylines. So I think blogging should be the exact same way. The, the way I approached blogging until early August was having a bunch of one-off blog posts that weren't – they kind of talked about the same theme, but one you could read and understand – one blog post on its own and not ever be interested in another post or not ever be drawn into a second or third post. So I found that my, my I haven't really installed any new email tactics lately, but I've started using open loops and that's caused the time on my site to increase substantially, the bounce rate to decrease and email subscriptions to go up because people mm. want to know the next part of the story. So one of the number one things I do tactic wise is try to pull stuff in from other industries. And the TV industry is one that's really interesting because they're brilliant storytellers. So let's go study them, see what they're doing, and bring some elements over. 
I like it. And uh, in terms of um, collecting emails, because that's the original topic of this podcast, um, <laughs> sure. would you say you would you could o use open loops to get people, for example, download your content upgrades and that kind of stuff? Like maybe just open oh, a loop yeah. and be like, hey, it's closing up in this free download or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Having open loops is the key to getting people to take action on much of anything, whether that's subscribing or buying or, excuse me, or whatever. But a content upgrade, what I see a lot of people doing since these are growing in popularity They write a normal post, and then they throw some type of bonus at the end. That's not what a content upgrade is. A content mm -hmm. upgrade should be a natural outflow of that post. So right now, writing a blog post about uh, one-month rails, and they did a, a, a product launch recently, and they made a little over $15,000 in 24 hours. So that's like the headline of the post. I haven't worked it out yet, but that's basically going to be the gist of it, how to make how one-month rails made $15,000 in 24 hours. So that's kind of the draw to the post that gets them there. And I'm just going to walk through the structure of how to do it because this is really important to actually executing an upgrade correctly. So the headline draws them in. You need to catch them up to speed to what's going on. So I'm doing a little video up, update. Uh, you don't necessarily have to do that, but some type of one to two sentences that, that locks them into the post. You write the whole post. So the, the body of the post, I'm explaining. I show all, I think they had six email sequence. I break them down, analyze them give notes on each email, give a few takeaways, give a few tactics. But throughout the whole thing, I'm teasing an interview I did with them while they were in the middle of their launch. So at the very top of the post, I have a little call-out box that says, hey, uh, be sure to catch the interview we did live during the middle of their launch at the end. And then a couple times throughout the post, I make reference to that as well. Then at the very end of the post, I have a big opt-in box where they can enter their email address and see the live interview we did while they were in the middle of their launch. So their 24-hour launch window wasn't closed yet. We jumped on Skype, did an interview, got their numbers at that moment. And that's an interesting draw to get to, to enter your email address for. So your content upgrade has to be baked into it. It can't just be a, an appendage you add on the end. It has to be part of the whole soul of that post. And when you do that, you'll see substantial upticks from just doing standard content upgrades. But Even a standard content upgrade works extremely well, but if you can bake it in, your subscribe rates go up even higher. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So you're basically thinking about your content upgrades even before you create the post or as you create it, and it's just, just part of it rather than like, hey, I just, just finished uploading my blog post to WordPress. Let's just figure out that content updating upgrade. Yeah, I mean, sorry. if you're not going to do it at all, throw something out there because a very specific call to action is always going to work over some universal ebook or something you have. Mm -hmm. So that will always work better. But you need to get in the habit of climaxing your post at the content upgrade. So build the whole post up. You're teaching, providing tons of valuable information. But at the very end, you take it to the next level. So if you're talking about how, like an example I did recently, was how to have a sticky widget on the side of your blog, one of those that kind of scroll with you on the sidebar. Mm -hmm. uh, so I talked, I explained how I did it. I gave some pictures of how I did it, talked about the plugin I used, talked about how I designed it, that whole process. And then at the very end, I said, hey, by the way, if you enter your email address, you can download the plugin for free and you can have my code that I have inside of my little widget, text widget in, in the back end of WordPress. And you can just copy and paste that into your site. So it taught them how to do it, but this enabled them to do it really easily. So could you provide a template? Could you provide a workflow video? Could you provide a book that's specific to that, a little one to two page ebook? The higher value you go and the more you bake it in, the higher your opt-in rate will be. Yeah, I agree. The, the more actionable, uh, what I like telling people is like, the more they can like consume it in five minutes and it changes something in their life, the more you get opt-ins. 
Um, yep. That's how it worked for me. One thing I wanted to talk also about opt-ins is that I've seen that you don't seem to be using opt-in pop-ups anymore on your site, despite the fact that uh, you've been talking about them quite a bit. So can you just tell us why and everything? Yeah, I'm doing a lot of testing right now. So I've used, I've wrote a lot about pop-ups. I've wrote about scroll boxes. I wrote about Hello Bar. I've wrote about everything I've ever experimented with, and I've given results as I've gone and told people how to do the same thing. But part of the experimentation process is always experimenting with different stuff. And what I don't want to do is to have somebody come to my site and have a scroll box, a pop-up, a lead box, mm. a post-specific, and just inundate them with crap I want them to do. Like What I've tried to been do, trying to do my goal in the next month or two is to focus on the one to two things that work extremely well. So I'm going through a little site redesign that I'm testing right now, sending a little bit of traffic to to see how it works. So for the time being, I've disabled my scroll box and pop-up box just to keep the focus on the content. But the pop-up box will definitely be back because I have a specific uh, way I'm going to use them going forward. The scroll box, I'm not 100% sure on. The scroll box works extremely well, and but I don't know. I, I'm just being conscious of not asking too many things. So just mm. because something works, works doesn't mean you have to do it or that you even should do it. The number one thing that works for me is content upgrade. So I want to have all the focus on the blog post. I know if people will read the post, they'll opt in. So if I can remove other distractions, that increases the chance of of that. Right now, unfortunately, with the scroll box uh, plugin I was using, you can't do post-specific scroll box. So you can only do a universal call to action with it. I want to go to all post-specific call to actions. Uh, so my pop-ups will be post-specific content. So that when I have a pop-up on any of these launch sequence series I'm writing right now, they will be a pop-up that's not download, opt-in to this very popular thing. It'll be opt-in to this specific post content upgrade. So it'll be specific to that post. That's what I'm going to go back to once I go through this round of testing. But to decrease the amount of time at the test, I've removed a bunch of stuff to make it easier to test. So uh, that'll slowly start popping up. But hey, I, I might decide not to add some of that stuff back because it, it might work. I might not like it or it might remove the focus from where I want it. So like, for instance, over the last week, I've been running a contest. When I was running that contest, I removed everything on my sidebar. I removed my hello bar. And the only call to actions on the blog outside of post-specific call to actions, the content upgrades was for the giveaway itself because I wanted all the traffic to go to that. Uh, did I lose some signups in the process? Probably so, but I got signups where I wanted them. Mm, that makes sense. One last thing that I wanted to ask as well is, uh, obviously with common upgrades, you get people that come with different points of interest, right? You get people opting in on your old opt-in pop-up blog post, and you get people opting in on your launch sequence blog posts. Their motivations are obviously different. How do you go about communicating with them after they opted in? Like, Do you do any kind of segmentation after they opted in based on the thing they opted in for, and what's your strategy here? Yeah, so a couple of things. One, the making sure you're keeping up with who opts into what is really, really important. Mm. So it can, if, if you're just starting, or if you're in the first couple of years and you're trying to get traction and you're trying to figure out, a pro, like I'm working with one guy who's been around for a long time, has 100,000 plus uniques a month, but he's never done product very well. Um, like he's done a couple books, but nothing that's really no, no recurring launch course type of deal. And that's something he wants to do. So something we've done is going back through his top 25 posts and add content upgrades to all of them and add them to posts going forward. Because what we're looking for are the points of interest in those posts. So when you've tagged your people and when you've kept up with who has opted into what, you can look back over your history 
and see, all right, these three categories, for me, my three categories are tra- how to get traffic, how to build a list, how to launch a product or sales. So those are the three categories I write in. All right, really much of anything outside of those. Every now and then, something kind of random. But those are the three main categories. So I get my content upgrades in aggregate over those three categories and see which one people have opted into the most. That indicates a specific interest. So, like last, well, two Fridays ago, I wrote a post on how to build a business in 14 days with no idea. And that, that post got like 600 opt ins, more. I was like double what is normal on my blog right now. That was a spike, that was a high level of interest. So, if I was in the mode looking for a product to build right now, that would be a very obvious thing to build because I could write and talk about and produce content and teach a whole lot more on that subject because I haven't really talked about it in depth much at all. So that is a high level of interest. And if I wanted to do that before I go and create a product, I could go to those specific 600 people and pitch the idea that I wanted to build and see if they would free back. So I'm doing that right now, actually, with a product I'm launching next week that came out of content upgrades. So I started seeing trends and that people liked certain posts. So I built a product out of it. And instead of having to build the product and then launch it and see if anybody wants it, before I built it, I just wrote a letter in Google Doc describing what it was. And I went to a subset of those. I think I had 800 people in total between a few upgrades. Went to 40 of those 800 and said, hey, this is a product idea I have. Would you be anybody that said yes? I gave them a link to pre-order right away. I did that with a group of 40, did a group of 50, did a group of 200, and did, it, did it to the group of 800 and validated and improved my sales letter and the product. Hey guys, so this is where the conversation cut with Brian. My connection wasn't very good and as a result, the call dropped. So I called him back and he went back a little bit in the conversation but gave new elements into how he does his sales pages and his pitching to the people that have been opting in from the content of Grace. So I am going to put all of it, even though there's a little bit of repetition from a little bit before. Keep listening, there's still a lot of great info coming up in this interview. So I'll see you at the end of the episode. Enjoy the interview. We had 800 people over the course of multiple blog posts that had shown interest via opting into a content upgrade of this genre of product. So I wrote a sales letter describing what I thought the product would be and sent it to a subset of 40 of and asked them, would you buy this? And anybody that said yes, I immediately gave them a link in Gumroad so they could pre-order it. And I did that to a group of 40, then did a group of 80, then did it to a group of 200. And over the course of pre-selling it for those three groups and making the product and having different iterations, I perfected or I made a product that was way better than it would have been had I just gone into my room and built something to come out and said, hey, people buy it. Uh, because it was a product that was birthed in content upgrades. It was birthed in people raising their hand and saying, yes, I'm interested in this topic. I want more templates. I want to know more about what contractors you use. I want to know more about your workflows. So I just created a product that was all of my contractors, all of my templates, and all of my workflows. And that's the product. <laughs> so then, I, But I validated the different stages, validated the price point, validated the contents. And now I'm getting ready to launch it next week to the entire list. But it's a product that has been paid for ahead of time, validated ahead of time, and was my own reader's idea. So that's one of the most valuable parts of content upgrades that people, I don't think anybody right now is doing much anything in that area. So this will be a big case study that I'll write up after this launch, just showing how I went through that process of using a content upgrade to get an idea for a product, validate the product, build the product, and ultimately launch the product all from content upgrades. And do you just go to like pitch to people right away or do you have any kind of way to like warm them up? 
before you go and pitch them? None of this is automated. So right now, all when you opt into my list, you get blog posts. There's no automated drip sequence or anything like that. That's something that I, I need to do, but just isn't a focus right now. So right now, when you opt into my list, but pretty much the only way you can opt into the list is via content upgrade. So when you download a content upgrade, you're also agreeing inside of that box where you opt in to receive weekly emails from me. So I send out one to two emails a week and you start getting those. Nothing else happens. This product validation was something where I said, all right, I want to build another product. So let me see what my people, what me, let me see what my readers are most interested in. Then I went and just analyzed the data that I've been collecting over the past eight months. That's why collecting that data before you have an idea is the best because it'll give you the idea and it'll point you in the right direction by, by having all that information. Well, I like it a lot because we went from like collecting emails with content upgrades to actually make money from content upgrades, um, oh, yeah. which, <laughs> which is amazing because like it's not just about building your list. It's also about having people raise their hands and say what they want and you just Absolutely. go and build it for them. The great thing with content upgrades is you can cover all three aspects. So the aspect to any business is traffic, emails in our world, and then selling to them. And you can get traffic by guest posting with content upgrades. That knocks out traffic and emails. You can do content upgrades on your own blog and every blog post and then use the content upgrades after doing that for two, three, four, five, six months when you have some data set up. I mean, you could probably do it quicker than that. Then build the product. All of that comes from content upgrades. It's, it's a great way to get traffic, build a list, and find a product and build the product and validate the product and sell the product. So I'm obviously a big fan of it. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'm actually doing the exact same thing. I literally took the most popular blog post I have on the site. I'm creating a like blown out product out of it and i had a fake sales page up so when people opt in on that page there's literally just a fake sales page and i was tracking how many people click by it wasn't ready i would just say hoops it's not ready i'll just email you when it's ready and put them on a specific list when they reach that page you know so yeah that's pretty cool now i just want to like finish this interview uh asking you if you have like one, two, or three little tricks that you figured out along the way that made your content upgrades like either like get more opt-ins or get people more engaged with your emails or anything like that? Because I'm, I'm sure you figure it out as you go. You're like, oh, I just did that little thing differently. And, and that worked a lot better. You obviously explain how you bake it in the content, but is there anything else that you could share on making this work better? On content upgrades yourself? I'll, I'll just email subscriptions, I guess. One thing I tried, and this is kind of something some people were uneasy about, but I, I don't have any problem with it myself, and I consider myself pretty above board. Something I've started doing is at the end of every email I write, I now press enter eight times. So whenever I type dash Brian, like ending the email, I hit enter eight times and then send the email. What that does is pushes your unsubscribe call to action thing down there beyond the line of sight. And for me, I like that because... Anytime you make me make a decision, like don't make your customers or your readers make a decision to stay subscribed every time you send them an email. Now, that doesn't mean you hide the unsubscribe button. You, that's actually against the law. And that's not the point of this. The point is, whenever you scroll down and you're reading an email, you read, you read, you scroll, you scroll, you scroll, you hit the byline, and then you see a little bit of blank space down there, you assume the email's done, so you stop reading. Most people get out of the email at that point or click the link or do whatever the call to action is. If you have that unsubscribe button directly below that dash Brian, dash your name to end the email, they read that and they have to make a conscious decision. Do I want to click that or not? It's a link. They're asking me to do something. Do you still want to get emails? Click yes or click no to unsubscribe. You're asking me a question that I have to answer and you're making me make a decision. I don't like that. So 
by pressing enter eight times, you can move that out of the line of sight, not out of the email. People can still, if people want to find it, they, all they have to do is scroll down and click the button. It's still one click out. But that's one thing I've done to kill that cut my unsubscriber rate in half, actually, by just hitting enter eight times. That's an interesting route. Another thing I do is I don't put the entire email inside of the post. Some people do. That's fine. I get why they do it. I like getting people back to my site. I like training mm. people to constantly take action. So whether they're entering their email address for a content upgrade, whether they're clicking to get the whole post, people that are on my list are used to doing that. And it's not a lazy readership. It's people that are used to doing one or two things every time they get an email. So eventually, ask them to buy something or ask them to sign up for a contest or whatever, they're a lot more likely because they're semi-trained to do that. So that would be another thing. Another thing that I learned recently was putting a call to action above the fold in your Mm -hmm. email. Um, Not having a 500-word email with click here to continue reading at the very bottom. Most people don't get down that far. So what I've done, I don't put it in the first line because at least on the email program I'm using right now, that makes it show up in the preview text, which I don't want. But having it three or four lines down on my longer emails, I'll usually have click here to read the entire article or click here to get the content upgrade and get them over to the post on my site. So that, that might be a third thing that's a little smaller, but it increases your click-through rates, which is good and gets you traffic to your site. So that would probably be a third thing. On content upgrades itself, it's all about bake, it's all about baking it into the post. That's the, that's the biggest thing for that. I'll tell you one thing, just an email in general that I found uh, recently, I did a giveaway over the last two weeks, and that collected right at 2,400 email addresses in a 10-day period. That was the single biggest thing I've ever done to grow my list. Uh, and I did it right before a launch, which was a little bit incidental, but now it looks kind of smart uh, because it gave an immediate boost to the list. It boosted me over 10,000 subscribers uh, just in one fell swoop. And I'm about to launch a product, so I probably won't. Anybody that's brand new to the blog, I probably won't pitch them immediately because uh, I like kind of having a good bit of goodwill built up. But it gave me a massive boost to my list just before the post, just before the launch goes out. And it also builds up goodwill with your current readership because I did a giveaway where only one person won and they won a decade subscription to lead pages. But also anybody that got more than five people to share or five people to opt into the giveaway, uh, also they get a free like $900 lead page template, like a custom design template. So a lot of people will get a lot of free stuff, which is good to do right before you launch something because it builds up sentiment and goodwill and everything and puts everybody in a good mood and they get free stuff. So that'd probably be another thing, just kind of a tip to find some tool or some subscription type of software and give away a, give away a month or give away a year, give away a decade or give away a lifetime subscription to it. Something your people really want. And that's something that worked extremely well for me. Yeah, that's actually something I'm planning as well. And I found that it's very, very easy to convince software companies or companies that have a low marginal cost to producing an extra unit of the product to just give stuff away as long as their logo is featured or something. So, yeah. so, so and with me, I, like, I didn't even talk to lead pages. I just, I'm physically paying 10 years of this. So, uh, you know, even if you can't, look at the math on it. I, over oh, the yeah. course of 10 years, I paid $2,800 paid yearly. So it's $280 a year. And for 2800 I got 2,500 email addresses. So that wound up costing like a a little over a dollar an email address, which is a great acquisition rate. So even if you have to pay full cost, uh, it's still very much worth it if you can hit your goals. Yeah, I mean, the cost you just share is 
pretty much what I'm paying doing Facebook PPC to expand my list as well. I do quite a bit of PPC as well and retargeting and all these things. Um, Netcraft is way more complicated. <laughs> so, yeah. So I give away a simple Facebook kind of fine-tuning a Facebook campaign will drive you crazy. So I give away <laughs> stuff. That's substantially easier than that stuff. I agree. And I'm actually going to do both because I, uh, I think it's amazing, especially for software. You can really just get them associated with it and you don't even need to pay, actually. I've managed to get some free stuff. We'll see in December. But yeah, yeah. I agree. All these tactics are like super useful. Brian, I know you have to go. So thank you so much for all the tips. I look forward to have you again on the podcast someday. And everyone, if you like what Brian's shared today, just go and check it out on his blog. He shares a hell of a lot more on our blog.videofruit.com. I'll be linking to this on the podcast show notes and the show notes are just going to come on the outro. So thank you, Brian. And yeah, thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks. And I set up a, a URL for everybody that, that, that's listening to the podcast and wants to get some of these email strategies. Just go to videofruit.com slash email. And uh, I have an ebook and some videos and some training stuff that's all free that'll kind of help you on building your email list. Because that's kind of this unicorn thing that everybody chases that's really hard. And just through kind of experimentation, I found a few methods that work extremely well. So all of it's free. Check it out. Try it. And uh, holler at me. You can email me at brian at videofruit.com if you have any questions. All right. Cool. Thank you, Brian. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Thanks, Phil. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Brian. I think you will agree with me, but he really knows what he's talking about when it comes to content upgrades and capturing emails and then actually making sales out of them. Now, I've actually put together a PDF with three more little tricks that will make your content upgrades make you more emails and also make you more money. So if you want to download that PDF, go on authorityhacker.com slash podcast nine altogether. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training.